0: You're listening to Off the X with your hosts, Tyler Wells, Forrest Carvajal, and Barrett Moon. Brought to you by High and Dry Utility Poles, Rixie Outdoors, changing the world of dog stands, Huntproof, the premier waterfowl mobile app, Brownwater Leather Lanyards, and Welland's Land, Arkansas's premier recreational real estate group.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Off the X Podcast. I'm Forrest Carver Hall. I'm here with Senior Sure Shot Tyler Wells. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. The Bourbon Boy Barrett Moon. How are you?
0: We're here. We're here.
1: We are here. We've got a special guest today, tonight. Well, I usually say tonight because we usually recorded tonight, yeah. but we've got a special guest today, and it is close. Duck season is here almost. My finger, my trigger finger's twitching. Honestly, as we're sitting here. <laughs> recording this. But we do want to give a little shout out real quick because the World Waterfowl uh contest, oh, I can't remember what they call them in Easton. Easton, Maryland is what where they just held these contests. Everybody knows that listens to this big contest caller. I really want to get out there to Easton, Maryland to compete in these, but I want to give a shout out to all the people that won at these contests out there. Uh the World Goose John Walls, I believe it was his first World Championship. I think. Mm. Don't quote me on that because I don't know all the goose things. Uh, World Live Goose was Kyle Jones. World Team Live Goose, we're going to put Mike Benjamin and Kyle Jones. Last year, Mike Benjamin won four out of the five of these contests. Mm. The only one that he lost, he lost by half a point, I'm pretty sure. He nearly had a clean sweep last year, which is incredible. He also won – Mike Benjamin also won World Live Duck. The Team World Live Duck was Mike Benjamin and Corey Necombe. And then the junior World Goose, junior World Duck, World Live Duck was Alden Pugh. He, he has been, as far is that the, as juniors, The kid with the long hair? Yes, it is. Yeah. Even, even you remember who he yeah. is. He's been winning <laughs> everything. And he went out there and won both of those. So, congratulations to all you guys. Great job. That is Those are big honors to win those out there. I keep hearing how amazing that contest is. And I really, hopefully, ne- next year we'll get to go. But let's get to our guest, Mr. Brent Birch. How are you, sir? Doing fantastic. You just came back from South Dakota. I'm super jealous. I saw some of the pictures. <laughs> I yeah. could, couldn't do anything but be jealous. What were you doing up there in South Dakota? Yeah, we were on a pheasant hunt.
2: Took uh, 11 buddies. Uh, went up there. We, we, we only got to hunt for the two days because of this weather that we're experiencing. They experienced it plus snow plus single digits. So we had to get out of town. We were flying private. So, uh, <laughs> little planes don't do so good in that kind of weather. But, uh, it was interesting to see, uh, you know, that, that part of the world had water this spring, hence a little bit better duck production than what we've seen in the last three years. But, uh, it was dry, super dry. Like we walked creeks and little wetlands that in the spring probably had water and probably had ducks on them, breeding ducks. And, uh, you could walk across them in, in, uh, ankle boots uh, it was and not even get in the mud it was dry wow. so um southern south dakota is super dry uh, and in fact they had really poor pheasant production uh so um it was interesting to see not that we get a lot of breeding ducks from south dakota but uh, that part of the world is dry and it's dry everywhere in between it's not just really? arkansas
1: yeah okay I don't know anything about pheasant hunting. Never been, never had the opportunity. How did y'all do? Uh, it was really good. Uh, the hunt was real good. Uh, hence,
2: uh, being, not being hung up about canceling that third hunt. Because um, the first two days were, were really good, so...
1: Did y'all eat them while y'all were there?
2: No. We tried to get them to fix them for us one night, but they already had plans, you know, for okay. what the meals were going to be. So we, we brought them all back. I've heard pheasant is good. That's another thing. I've never had pheasant. I don't know if it's good. It's kind man. of dry. You got to cook it right. It is. Really? It, it's dry, real real dry. Um, best way probably to do it is in a slow cooker. Um, otherwise, it's – it's a little tough.
3: Yeah. At our wedding, we had duck and pheasant gumbo. So ah, there
2: you go. It, yeah, gumbo was, would be good it too. Great. It would be good in gumbo. Uh,
0: McDonald's would have to put <laughs> pheasant on the menu for Forrest to have it. So. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> well, let's let's kind of introduce Brent. Brent's the author of the Grand Prairie: The History of Duck Hunting's Hello Ground, which I was I was uh, when Brent released that book, I was I immediately got online and ordered it, and, and uh, Brent wrote me an awesome little deal in the front deal. He he doesn't remember me at all but <laughs> He did at that one point yeah, in time. Yeah. He, he did write me a note in the front. So I felt felt blessed uh the book, um which I've always I've always wanted to come on here and or get Brent on here to talk about it because I I was expecting like a um oh really I don't know what I was expecting, but I got the book and I was like, oh I, so it took me about two weeks to read. Read it immediately right when I got it. Started reading it right when I got it that night. Um was not expecting it to be like a uh, textbook. So, and when I opened it up and started through it, I was like, "This is organized and put together like a i mean from an informational standpoint, it is put together like a textbook, and it is chock full of information and history and the one thing that i've I've been dying to kind of get your your uh, stories from is what did it take and how long did it take to gather this information, and the amount of time and energy it went in, that went into to track down all these people that that you were able to to garner all these stories from and put in one you know location
2: yeah it was uh it was definitely a labor of love and i and the goal of the book was to be something different than these 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 steady stream of books coming out that are just about rich guy duck clubs yeah um, right. and so that this is not that uh this is truly the history of that part of the world not only the, the duck hunting history but you know the rice uh industry that, that is just as big a piece of that part of the world as duck hunting and then how uh you know the economy is built around it there's restaurants that we all all love and and know and some that are long gone uh but trying to capture all that mainly with the goal trying to do it too before some of these people you know passed away and that yeah. that knowledge and, and everything that they held in their and experiences they held in their head would be gone. So, it was a it was a pretty big hustle to get that done. That's why you know I didn't write every word that's in that book. Right, there's right. there's some contributing writers. It was it was more than I could have done in a timely matter. Um, but it took about two years uh, to put that book together. Now you know all you know probably ninety nine percent of the resources in there are are people I know, and that I would I would pass along to the the team. And I knew all the writers that I had. Um, I'd used them. Because you know, I'm also the editor of Greenhead Magazine, right. yeah. so I, you know I've got this network of people that write specifically on duck hunting. So I was able to uh, kind of leverage them, and but they use my contacts. I would send them, okay. Now you want to talk about the World Championship Duck Contest? Talk to this person. You want to talk about the Pam Pam Club and, and things that used to be in Stuttgart? Talk to this person. So um, I. I I guess I gave them some shortcuts, but they did they did a lot of the, the research and the writing part, too. So that was a huge help. That kept yeah. it – I don't know how long it would take if I tried to do this myself. <laughs> long time. What sparked the interest to do that? Uh, it, it's an interesting story. Um, you know, when it came out, Greenhead was about – we were about on our seventh or eighth edition and, and just gotten all kinds of accolades, even nationally, for that magazine. Um, and it's obviously super popular here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Whit Stevens, uh, who's a friend of mine, mm-hmm. uh, called me one day to come to his office. And in his office, he has a lunch boardroom. He um, said, why don't you come to my office for lunch? I want to talk to you about something. And so I said, sure. And uh, we got to talking, and he's like, we need we need, to, we need to write a book about the history of the Grand Prairie. Um, now, he's got a guy that, that guided for him, that previously guided in... I mean, a lot of people call them Russells. They used to be wildlife acres, what it used to be called. But it's the woods that Witt owns now. Uh, His name's Buck Mayhew, and and Buck's 80-something years old now. And it was the same kind of mindset that, you know, Buck's not going to live forever. Mm -hmm. And and he's hunted these same woods for 60 years. Oh, man. (laughs) Um, And not just any woods. Those are, to me, those are the best. That's the best green timber hunting on the planet Earth. I say it a lot. And too. what's crazy about it is they they used to take sixty guns in there.
0: Good grief!
2: Yeah, <laughs> back in the like in the sixties, fifties, and sixties, <laughs> yeah. sixty guns would go in there and haul out limits. Yeah. So Buck had guided boy back then, but, he, but getting back to the to why uh, there's more people like Buck that are that are going to be gone someday, and we're going to be uh, we we wondering. What stories they had to tell. So, he said, "I'll I'll uh I'll help finance it if you'll write it," and I said, "Sure." So that's that's how that came about. That's why Wits, you know in the forward at the beginning, um, some of the front content and um, and all that. So that's that was the kind of the genesis of doing the book.
1: Now it, it details like kind of how duck hunting in Arkansas started, right? Like right. Where with all of the, um land development, how it went from all the flooded timber that we used to have when they tried to figure out how to farm it, correct? Correct. You dive into that just a little bit? Yeah, that's well, it, interesting.
2: It, yeah, most of eastern Arkansas was not farmland like it is now. It was, it was, <laughs> that's he's my fine. dog.
0: Tate, uh, pups just running around. Yeah. He's fine. He's fine. Goodness.
3: He's amped for season. Yeah, yeah he's, ready, so, he's ready to rock. Um, but yeah,
2: so uh, all of eastern Arkansas used to be bottomland hardwoods, and uh, duck hunting was not a thing. It, I mean, there were people doing it and ag there was opportunity for ag that people could make money off of so a lot of that green timber or those bottomland hardwoods was was wiped off the earth and turned to farmland so uh, but some people hung on to it the people that hung on to it realized man ducks really like these trees and these acorns and everything else so uh, there was pockets that are held on and it's pretty interesting you can see it on a map you know like satellite these you know these big blocks of timber that were left, especially the White River, right? yeah. you know, what's now the refuge is is incredible that that much hardwood trees were left. Considering people figured out uh, farming was a lot more economically viable than going out and shooting some ducks. Right. Um, so uh, those little pockets um, of timber that still exist today, obviously, are for the most part productive. There's some duds out there. I mean, not every block of green timber is a is a duck magnet, but um that but what when it when it started to funnel down and the ducks started populating into those those green timber areas uh, that's when some people figured out well, I can farm my farm ground in the spring and the summer and then I can take all these paid hunters from <laughs> St Louis you know wherever else they would travel from to come hunt ducks and and so that spawned kind of the industry uh, right. getting paid to take people hunting and, and and you know they traveled here by train uh by by uh, horse-drawn wagons, because there was no all these places there weren't roads, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the train routes were different than they are today. But but uh, people around the country started figuring out that Arkansas, if you want to go shoot a duck,
1: that's where you need to be, hmm. and so it spawned that whole little industry. So, I, I, what is interesting to me is when I started getting into duck hunting. i it's I've been duck hunting for over twenty years, but it seemed like rice fields was a big deal like you killed a lot of ducks in rice fields and nowadays you still do but it doesn't seem like they're as popular for the ducks as what they used to be it seems like kind of they've turned nocturnal with those fields and they'll go in those fields at night but it's not the same way with the timber the timber seems like it's always consistent yeah now you may not always kill them in the same spots but as far as hunting they're consistent whereas the rice fields have gone up and down and up and down, not been as consistent. Um, Do you have any – have you noticed that too? Oh, for sure. Is what I'm getting
2: at. Uh, Field hunting is not uh, what what it used to be.
1: Oh, and
0: wouldn't you attribute some of that to just the farming practices? I mean, we've got such a clean farming, you know, industry now that there's nothing left on the ground for them to, to come back to.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's as much as what's left on the ground because if you're if you're on, say you're on the prairie mm-hmm. in the summer, month, late summer, um, you'll notice, you know, all the the rice that tries to ratoon. You'll see all those little mm-hmm. green shoots they wear. I mean, there's a bazillion of them. Mm-hmm. Those were all seeds at one time until the, they, they re-sprouted. So I think that the bigger deal is, I mean, yes, of course, modern-day combines don't leave behind as much grain as they used to, but there's still plenty out there. Mm-hmm. The problem to me is two big big things one they cut the rice so early uh, so yeah. that's what gives it a chance to resprout and if it resprouts it's worthless to a duck worthless and because okay. we don't do it we don't time it enough to where it can retune and actually head out again um, so all those green shoots come up and the only thing that likes those are geese uh, well, so they got plenty of those so yeah. they'll <laughs> pick a field clean of those shoots um, and and then that leaves no food for ducks no food um, if it re-sprout that's why you see farmers burn fields that keeps it from re-sprouting mm-hmm. so uh you think man they lift all that you know all that stubble out there and they haven't touched it there's going to be there's going to be food everywhere that's not the case that stuff as early as Arkansas farmers are cutting it it's going to re-sprout and so there's not going to be any seed out there for a duck to eat two it, it is is the geese the geese yeah. will, will when they get here they wipe fields clean mm-hmm. um and people think it's the snow geese it's really not it's really spoke bellies because uh, they get here so early, and, they, and, they, get and they get here so many of them that um, they they will they will move across the rice field and wipe that thing out. And so the ducks, by the time they get here, um, I think we're a little fortunate. This front's made some ducks move, but we're not quite as the, the you know the real right. push of them. Um, but you know, that, there's just not a lot of left behind for them right. um, in 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 modern day
1: ag fields, right? Um, and they don't go to the timber anywhere else north of us they do a little bit more now because people are kind of farming it and manipulating yeah for for that north of us but what do you think made them once they got down here to say oh there's water in those trees let's go to those trees yeah it's i mean it is it's a unique
2: environment for the ducks um i think they figured out they can go there for overhead shelter um there's obviously food in there there's acorns there's invertebrates um there's a place they can loaf and and not get disturbed. Um, I mean, as much as people like to roam around the White River when it's out, they don't come close to cut covering all the ground that those ducks can sit no. in. Um, and uh, you, you know, you, and you have people managing their own uh, timber the right way. It, it keeps uh, ducks feel comfortable. Um, and and most people that are managing private land uh, tra- timber tracks have a strategy to leave the ducks alone that's why they hang around they may go in there and bang them with 10 guns but they may not hunt that little quarter of the woods again for a week um now you're not necessarily doing on the public ground that way but um there's just just a the timber provides food
1: and refuge for them and that's that's a big part of it i'm learning so much about the flooded timber because like i said i've hunted for 20 years but very little experience on that side of the state where the flooded timber is so that's all still very new to me so every time i can talk to somebody that's done it for a while like what you have i'm i have so many questions sure you know how long have you been around the flooded timber of of east arkansas oh i i grew up
2: hunting uh, the reason i referenced the white river bottoms for a while i i grew up hunting at crockett's bluff Mm -hmm. um which was the the whole the places that we hunted back then are now public ground there's a there's a and you see them on a map there's a uh, a lake, round pond is the name of it um, these are on these are on the east side of the river, um, and then there 's another one of course there 's a bazillion horseshoe lakes, but <laughs> round pond and horseshoe were the two main uh, spots and and uh, that 's not true green timber hunting because it, you 're hunting basically on the edge of a lake, uh, but it was in the woods, and then there were days. The ducks didn't want to work the lake, and we could back off and go into the woods behind the blind. You know, a couple hundred yards and hunt them. Um, and there were some natural uh, drains in there that, when the lake would freeze, that water would be still be moving in, in behind the woods. So, I mean, I've been hunting. I've been I've been hunting since I was six. So uh, I'm 52 now. So I've been, you know, doing a while of hunted about every possible. Style of hunting you can do in Arkansas. <laughs> that's a lot of different styles. We <laughs> it have, is.
1: We're very diverse here with the environments that we get to chase ducks in. Yeah. Uh,
2: who got you into duck hunting? My dad. Uh, he was he was a big duck hunter um, growing up, and, and he was pretty new to it too. He didn't really start duck. He grew up in Fort Smith, and my grandfather duck hunted, but he duck hunted on the Arkansas River there at Fort uh, Fort Smith, and it was pretty dang. I mean, that's that's dangerous style of hunt. You know, the river's rolling pretty good there a lot of times. So my dad didn't go a lot as a kid. He didn't take him um but he uh, he was a banker here in in Little Rock actually in North Little Rock and uh, the bank owned that club at Crockett's Bluff that was that was Franklin Jr's club before he bought Wingmead
0: mm-hmm. and then
2: Franklin Jr owned Twin City Bank uh, a John Deere dealership a Coca-Cola bottler and a Whirlpool dealership and they bought they so when he bought Wingmead they converted Crockett's Bluff into a c- corporate club and those four companies rotate. They took certain blocks of days and took customers to, you know, their big customers, their main customers. Would, and so they'd take them to that lodge because the lodge is, is super cool. Um, it's on the National Historic Register and all that. But And the duck hunting was fantastic. But um, that's when he started hunting, when he went to work for the bank when he was 20 years old uh, while he was still in college here in, in, in Little Rock, uh, started hunting then. So, you know, um, he was in his late twenties when I started going um, with him, or, or early thirties, I guess that is. Uh, but uh, got introduced to it through that, and and then we we uh, picked up some, or he picked up another lease. He still has today, which is pretty crazy. He leases the uh, the Hildebrand Farm there at G Ridge, um, okay, just past just yeah, between Humnok and Brummett. Uh, you always oh, see man. all the geese, all the ducks, yeah, right yes. from the highway the,
1: right when you get past. Yeah. yeah yeah that there's always birds there pretty good I, area I, yeah. I saw your hat g ridge farm and i was like i wonder yeah yeah so we uh he he started leasing
2: that when i was about 12 or 13 years old and he still has it today wow. um so um you know so we had the you know kind of the 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 corporate fancy club and then they had then had this right. and then the bank he the bank got bought sold that lodge off and and so Bennett. G. Ridge ever since. Now, I own a separate farm now with some partners, but, um, you know, being able to lease the same place for 40 years is pretty crazy. That's impressive.
0: Yeah, yeah it, it
1: is. Yeah. yeah. I like the tradition and heritage behind yeah. all behind Yeah, that. That's, that's yeah.
0: impressive. Before we get too far off the, the book, I've got a... I've, I was curious if you met anybody that you didn't previously know that you found to be uh interesting or if there's if there's any characters that you ran into while you're putting the book together
2: but. <laughs> well there's definitely some characters um that you know the, probably the coolest place i went and there's a character that's involved with that uh the, the coolest place i got to go to during all that and i and actually ha- had gone to it before I, I wrote the book but um i don't know if y'all are familiar with tent camp uh, tough nut Hunting club at uh-huh. gillette well they they uh sleep they still to this day sleep in World War Two Army tents, really, <laughs> with a black <laughs> kettle stove in the corner. That's that's how it's heated. Wow! And it has a, a a one string of lights that goes through the middle of the tent. And then they the only modern amenity they have they built a a, a bathroom shower room, uh, you know, within the last ten years. They they waited until the seventies to even run electricity. And this club started wow. at the turn of the. 20th century you know early 1900s so they but they still to this day uh sleep in those tents and the members of that club are some of the you know some pretty notable well-to-do folks and and they still uh hang on to that uh that tradition and that um you know trying to do it like it's always been versus modernizing it that's Uh, pretty cool and I can't remember, you know, the book's a few years old. I think there's some pictures of it in there. But I had a friend that was a member of it that I went uh, prior to. But there's a the guy that's kind of the he's not he didn't head it up anymore because he's in his mid 80s. But his name's JD Simpson, and JD Simpson uh, works for Stevens, Inc. He took Walmart and Tyson public. Uh, but you never you never know it. Uh, super super guy. Uh, he just went in the Arkansas Outdoor Hall of Fame this past past year. Hmm. Um, that you know that was in September, mm-hmm. um, that event. So, uh, but he he's a character, and he's got stories and pictures. His whole office in the Stevens Building. He still has an office there, even though he's been retired for a long time. The entire office is duck hunting pictures. <laughs> every wall, every square inch is covered with some kind of uh, mm. duck hunting picture. It just wow. gets in your blood. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he uh, he's he's anybody that knows him would agree that he's a character. But but uh, he's done so much for that part of the world um that nobody ever would know about. Um uh, I and I've actually written a book about Tent Camp for him, um, that just trying to get his final blessing on it and and all that. So, um that's probably the biggest character uh, <laughs> I met and and uh He's a he's an entertaining guy for sure.
0: And so you've got a book about their camp coming out.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't th- I don't know that it'll ever be public. Really, uh, I don't know that JD wants it ever to be public. But uh, but we'll see. But it's a uh, you can you can read about it in the the Duck Hunters Almanac. Yeah. You know the book came out yeah. in the nineties. Yeah. Uh, there's they got a big piece on it in there, and you can see you can see some pictures of the tents. But uh, yeah, I mean we went we've gone down there a few times, taking you know modern day pictures. Right. Of a Photographer. I don't know if y'all know Cody Van Pelt. Um, okay. I'm not familiar with him. Yeah he he was a he's he's a good photographer. Young guy, he's probably about y'all's age. He works for Gator Waiters now, I think. Okay. Um, anyway, I took Cody down there and got a lot of a lot of imagery and all that. We're just kind of waiting on JD to kind of dot all the eyes, cross
1: all the t's. Man, that's good. You mentioned uh, Arkansas Wa- uh, Hall of Fame. You've started the Arkansas Waterfowlers Hall of Fame. That's right. How, you, how old is that now?
2: This past year was our third event. We had one canceled because of COVID. We had a long run in between. Um, it was originally a, a meant to be an offshoot of Greenhead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kind of a second effort because we, Greenhead was so successful that we needed to kind of capitalize on all that and do a second publication, but nobody had time to do a second publication as good as the one that comes out. Right. Because uh, nobody's dedicated to that. I mean, I've run Little yeah. Rock Tech Park. Uh, right. I, don't, I don't write, uh, you know, I don't write all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and everybody else in the company, I used to work for that company that produces the magazine. Um, uh, for I've worked there for 14 years before I came here, uh, eight years ago. But anyway, um, a Hall of Fame was kind of an easy secondary publication to do. Plus, Arkansas, I mean, how in the world does the duck hang of the world not have a Hall of Fame? Right, I agree. Because right. there's people that are in the Arkansas Outdoor Hall of Fame, which I'm tied to that, too. I'm on the Arkansas Game and Fish Foundation board, Okay. and that's who that's who uh, administers the outdoor hall of fame uh, holds that big, huge dinner and all that. So, uh, it was kind of, kind of a no brainer to do it. We, but there was, um, we did it two years when it was still with Arkansas business publishing group, which who's the one that, that publishes Greenhead, And, um, it wasn't the, the magazine or the, the hall of fame wasn't a great fit for them event wise. So they sold it to me for a (laughs) dollar and, um, (laughs) But that's after it sat for maybe, maybe two year and a half, two years because nobody really knew what to do with it. Then um, had some conversations with George Dunklin okay. about yep. um, trying to bring that thing back, and its rightful home should be the Museum of the Arkansas Grand Prairie in Stuttgart. Yeah. Yep. So that and they needed a fundraiser. Bad. They didn't have anything, uh, and so uh, George got behind it. Uh, his foundation. Uh, put up some money to bring it back. They built a wing onto the museum down there that houses the Hall of Fame and all kinds of other cool stuff. And so it came back, but the year it came back, it, we canceled it twice because of COVID. So last year we inducted two classes, um, and this year – and my my thoughts on the thing, you know, it's the Arkansas Water Hall Waterfowl Hall of Fame. It's not the Stuttgart or the Grand Prairie right. Hall of Fame. So my idea was we would always – we would bounce this thing around and go to different cities and host the event. Mm-hmm. So this year it'll be in March. It's going to be in Jonesboro. So okay. we're going to be at the, um, the embassy suites has a big conference center uh, there. So um, it'll be uh, in Jonesboro, uh, even though the, the ben- the proceeds benefit the museum in the Arkansas grand Prairie. Um, it's, we're still going to travel around. You know, one like year that. might be in Monticello. Like it might yeah, be, yeah. you know, we can move it around. Uh, not always. So Stuttgart center, because Northeast Arkansas has fantastic yeah. history too, and there's a lot yes. of notable people that deserved recognition and all that. So um, that's kind of how that thing all happened, and and now the museum kind of run. Jimbo Ronquest uh, is the chairman of the uh, the the board, I guess, of the committee that that puts all this on, and and uh, obviously George is real involved. There's several people from the museum, some other folk, Garlisle's involved, mm-hmm. uh, has been since the beginning. So. Um, uh, you know, it started to get, get get some good traction. We had a great event this past year for it, um, and uh, looking forward to kind of seeing what
1: Jonesboro how they respond to it. i bet I be, surely they'll respond well. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah.
3: So, what are the kind of the qualifiers to get inducted into the Waterfowl Hall of Fame?
2: Well, it's it, you know, it's not, it's definitely not done to where man he kills a lot of ducks. That's right. not that's not what it is. So right. There's plenty <laughs> of people out there do that that are that you would not want a Hall of Fame. Um, so, you know, you, it's a there's some different kind of parameters to it. You're obviously looking for people that were are conservation oriented or education oriented. Um, You know, there's several callers that are involved in it because they're ambassadors for the sport, so it's Mm -hmm, kind of that mm -hmm. ambassador uh, piece for it. I mean, Pat Peacock went in this past year, and and I don't know if there's ever been a bigger ambassador for Arkansas and duck hunting than her. Mm -hmm. Um, And what she was able to do, being the first woman to ever do it, beating a bunch of men, and and she leveraged. I mean, she she has um, a big ownership in putting Arkansas duck hunting on the map Um, because she drew a lot of attention uh, just being a woman and and could – could you know crank on that thing like mm, yeah. like a man could, and <laughs> and all that, and she was young and and all that, and and cute, and she was in all those pictures and, and national magazines and pa I mean, it may, it it definitely was a huge marketing tool for the state, um, as far as you know, attracting that tourism piece and right. kind of giving us something to hang our hat on that mm-hmm. that Arkansas's uh, duck hunting is is what it is. So, uh, kind of, you know, so it's it's stuff like that. It's it's um, it's definitely. Um, more than just, you know, guys got guy killed a bunch of ducks. Are they right. nominated or yeah. voted in? No, I'm nominated. And okay. then they're, and then the committee kind of pours through them and kind of narrows down. And we try to have a good mix of people that have passed away and people that are still alive because it, sometimes it's hard to track down family members. Right. Right. Um, like this year, this coming year, Dave Donaldson is going in. And, and most people probably don't even know. Who Dave Donaldson was,
1: but they know of the WMA. They
2: know the WMA. Of course, it's one of the more popular ones, obviously. But Dave Donaldson flew the first aerial surveys for the Game uh-huh. and Fish Commission. Um, so a lot of people don't know that. And so the Game and Fish Commission has one entry, into they get they have a, 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 a appointment to the Hall of Fame. Okay, and then there's usually three or four others that the committee votes on. But like Dave Donaldson, but we had a hard time tracking down Dave Donaldson relatives um last year um carl hunter went in most people don't know who carl hunter is but carl hunter worked for the game of fish he was a biologist he left to go uh be Franklin jr's bi- or uh, sorry edgar edgar queenie's biologist at wingmead so he helped, when edgar queenie put all that block of stuff together to, to make wingmead uh carl left the game of fish to go be his biologist and so he you know he's he he envisioned and dreamed and built um all that habitat uh, mm-hmm. for ducks so uh, but we could not find any of his relatives but we ended up finally tracking some down but um that part's the harper sea. it helps to have somebody living that yes. also people tend to turn out a little bit better for people that are still walking the earth so yeah. uh, we try to mix it up a little bit uh this year i think most of them have passed away um but they have some strong still existing still involved in the sport uh relatives uh, that'll will turn out and okay. people turn out for. So um, that's kind of the strategy. But, yeah, you can nominate. Anybody can nominate at, at uh, I think it's okay. Waterfowler, H-O-F. No, com. Okay, waterfowlerhof.com. I believe there's a nomination form on there that people can submit. Okay, but there's I like it. There's obviously with it only, with us only having three classes, you know, four classes in, um, and this May will, uh, March will be the 5th, there's lots of names still out there. It's right. It's, totally, I mean, you got a lot right. to work with. Um, so this one's probably a little bit northeast Arkansas specific for obvious reasons, uh, to get people to turn out for the event and support it. So, uh, but they're all nobody could argue that they're not deserving. Um, yeah, be tough for somebody to say, Well, it's obvious you only put him on there because he's from northeast Arkansas, but all these are slam dunks. Uh, so. You're,
1: you're going to have that from anything, <laughs> it doesn't matter. There's always going to be a critic. Oh, sure, <laughs> sure. No doubt, <laughs> no doubt. But I will say, like, everything that we've talked about, Greenhead, Arkansas Waterfowl Hall of Fame, the Grand Prairie, all these things are investments that you have done for waterfowl, for Arkansas Waterfowl, not just us, not just Arkansas. But you also wrote an article recently, and we've talked about it on the podcast, yep. investor or consumer. Yep. So I want to move into that. Okay. Um, what sparked that? Yeah,
2: uh, a big a big spark was social media, mm-hmm. um, and I'm you know I'm I'm a little bit older. I'm not the the wheelhouse for Instagram and and everything else. I don't have TikTok and all that stuff. But but what you see um, for me and what and and a lot of what I know through my um, connections in the sport, my exposure in the sport. Not me personally, but my, my exposure to the sport is what I should say. Not not. The opposite but um i just i was noticing a lot of things i didn't think were good for the long-term haul um you know ducks are not ducks and geese are not an endless resource they just aren't uh and there's some people that are treating them that way yeah um i i think it's really really unfortunate what's going on with speckled bait hunting real unfortunate um can you you expound yeah yeah i can i can um and, I, and I've been hunting these things for 10 years. I'm not a, a nouveau spec hunter. I've been doing it a long time. That that G. Ridge farm holds a gazillion. Yes, it does. I don't
1: know what the road looks like going through there, honestly. Yeah,
2: it's um, <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, it's mean, just a magnet. So I figured out, you know, ducks are real hard to kill in the fields when the full moon's out. So you're wiping out big chunks of the season. So I've said, I'm, screw that. I'm going to figure out how to hunt these geese because we're getting more and more of them every year right. and all that. So anyway, so I'm not coming to this like – i've got a lot of institutional knowledge built up about these geese and 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 hunting them and all of a sudden we have started treating them like they're snow geese um and and they're not i mean these these 20 gun hunts that that's ridiculously large 40 something gun hunt uh that's to me that's kind of treating them like they're a nuisance like snow geese and and they're not they're uh you know they're better table fare. They're mm-hmm. uh, funner to hunt. Uh, you don't have to have, you know, a gazillion decoys to hunt them like you do snow geese. Um, they're uh, they're little, to me they're more majestic than that, and I'm, I don't think we're treating them that way uh, with these these gun these big gun hunts. I mean, you think about what's good for the resource, and I'm even more worried about it this year because the the spike in these. Goose guide services happened when we were on the two goose limit. Well, now okay. we're back to the three goose limit. Mm-hmm. That means they're staying out there longer. They're shooting more, um, and a lot of it. I've been on them. I've I've been on these hunts, and I, and I think some of the guys that that have put them on. I, I mean, I've got some friends that are that are big time spec guides. Um, and I, I'm not against anybody making a buck either, but I'd, I I think we got to think about. What we're doing to the resource, and, it, and that investor consumer comment to tie it back to that, most of these guys are not investing in those geese. Mm-hmm. They are renting a field for the day, shooting the hell out of them, going to the next one. Mm-hmm. They're not doing anything habitat wise. They're they're not doing anything. I mean, they're they're shooting young geese. There's no there's no prejudice. You know, they're not like hey let's let's try to shoot the 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 you know the bar bellies and leave the young ones alone uh, and instead it's just kind of a spray and pray deal let's see how many we can kill how fast and call it a day and i'll take my 250 bucks um now there are some that are doing some habitat things uh they're they're farmers in the off season and they and, and they're managing their ground because they can control what they can control but they don't always have the geese so they're going and renting a field here they're scouting driving roads finding them everything else and um Running into these these huge gun hunts that are going to make it really really hard for people like me that like to hunt with four or five buddies um, because they 're going to educate i mean they 're educating huge wads of geese uh, shooting into them like that so it's
1: um, they 're more on the consum a lot of them are on the consumer side right. uh, so you, are you 're worried about like trying to paraphrase here is. There's a bunch of geese here. Pay our money. Go kill them. Let's go find some more. Pay our money. Go kill them. That's what you're wanting to avoid instead of maybe here's a nucleus of geese. Let's hunt off of them and try not to disturb that. Kill our few limits of birds and lengthen this out and not educate every bird in the county in the first week well yeah
2: exactly and and we're already seeing it uh you know i've i've been involved in some transmitter projects on on speckle bellies and it is obvious when the shooting starts we'll see geese and you see people talk about it even now even ducks unlimited last year this past year had an article about where to hunt speckle belly geese and they're talking about indiana they they didn't have speckle bellies in indiana a couple years ago didn't exist. They didn't have speckled bellies in northern Missouri. Didn't exist. They go there when the shooting starts in Arkansas. Mm. That pressure that we're putting on those geese is, is pushing them away. And you think about the same thing in the, in, in, you know, to take it to duck hunting. Lot, obviously, exponentially more people duck hunt. Uh, speckled belly is a, is a passion of mine, Ooh. but I like to hunt ducks too. And you think about the pressure we're putting on ducks um, and, and not, thinking, not thinking for the long term okay um you know the the uh, ability to um or not, not ability the right way to scout and scouting is necessary i yep. get that uh, especially if you're a public ground guy uh but you don't have to run your boat all day through every little nook and cranny in the woods at some point you have to realize when you do run into those ducks and you kick them out of there there's, odds are they're not going to be back. I mean, there's going to be sometimes they do come back to that spot. Maybe it's fresh water, you know, real skinny water. They're they're hunting, you know, they're, the ducks are following the edge of the water, and they will be back. But um, we've seemed to gotten a, a a trend with this scouting to to roam the woods all day to justify, you know, I got a thirty thousand dollar boat, I'm going to use it, uh, that kind of thing. And um, you know, I think there's some some lessons to be learned by those that. Have to scout and need to scout. Um, maybe some proper ways to do it. To to invest in. How am I going to keep these ducks around? Versus, man, we ran up thousand ducks a day out of the woods, um, and and you know we rode a boat right through the middle of them. We got it all on video, <laughs> and all you know all that instead of oh man, I see I see, you know, a couple hundred. Let's kill it. Let's back out of here yeah. and leave them. Um, and, and, and I know there's people out there doing that. I know that, um, I'm not trying to, to hang these, these things on everybody. Cause, uh, there's, there's, there are people doing it the right way, but we've got to, we as hunters, older, younger, doesn't matter. We've got to think through ways where we can perpetuate this sport mm-hmm. versus just consume, kill, um, you know, all take no give. Cause mm-hmm. there, there is give you yep. have, to, we have to be giving and I hear people complain and, and do all that about, you know, Ducks Unlimited and Delta Waterfowl, this sport would not exist if it wasn't for those two entities. I don't care what you think about what they're doing. You're pro- one, you're probably wrong. Two, um, it, the sport would not exist, I promise you, if we didn't have those two conservation organizations. The, the stuff that they do, most most people don't realize or know about um, because they just um, instantly are turned off by the mention, of especially Ducks Unlimited, um, and... and a lot of it's unfair uh because um the ducks ducks and geese would struggle without the efforts of those those groups but that's you know i'm not going to give any money to them cuz they're doing this in missouri or you know whatever all these crazy theories everybody has but um if if we as hunters don't and you know give some something to them uh the population of ducks is going to struggle um but but even in the article I talked about, it's not all monetary either. You know, right. you don't have to you don't I mean not everybody's walking around with money, they can give away to a conservation organization. I get that too. So you gotta look for other ways. Man, I'm not gonna shoot hens. I'm just not gonna do it. I don't care what the scientists say. My my logic says if I shoot that hen, she's not going she has no chance to go back and make babies. Right. So um you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use spinning wing decoys. That's not fair chase to me. You know, or, or you know all these all these different things you can do that don't
1: have a anything to do with writing a check, mm-hmm. right? not a thing. I will say, like with Delta Waterfowl Ducks Unlimited, one thing that they do that I have no idea about, no knowledge of it, but I'm like, here's my money. You go do this. Is the legal things, the things that mm-hmm. getting funding for waterfowl and Fighting for that stuff, you know, politics, right. federal stuff. Legislation. Yep. Legislation. Yep. Yeah. I don't know yeah. these words. This vocabulary is way out of my range. <laughs> 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 but them doing that, take my money, you go do it because I don't understand it and I don't know how to do it. Yep. I. That's That's an area that, here, here's my money, you go do that. I'm glad that they do that because – like I said, that's that's out of my range. That's that's right. beyond me. I didn't even think about that stuff until we started doing the podcast and started talking to people that are more invested in it like this. And the other thing, going back to the speckle bellies and the pressure and, and you know, people that are running the transmitters and seeing how they're responding to the pressure here. Before us, they were Louisiana birds. Mm-hmm. That's right. So I'm curious if – we are seeing what louisiana was seeing years ago like they were getting smoked down there that was that was their thing i mean riceland custom calls is one of the biggest speckle belly calls everybody that hunts specks hard probably has a riceland call louisiana and all those guys know a lot about it but they've moved up to us yep and now we're doing it and we're capitalizing on killing them so are we going to see them just okay this it's not worth it to go to arkansas anymore let's we're their range in the winter, is it going to move up as far as possible, as far as they can survive due to the weather because we pressure them so hard here? I'll say this, too. The early spec season this year, I saw so much more on Instagram about people hunting oh, yeah. this year than what we did last year. Yeah, So I'd, I see what you're saying, definitely. And there, there also has to be that balance of outfitters – it's their job. They've selected to do that as a job, but they also have to manage it the right way. And there's good outfitters out there all right. that do that, That's and right. there's also some that that they just take, 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 take. Yeah. So I, I agree with all of that.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I don't think we're at the, the you know the red flag warning on speckle bellies, um, like Louisiana. Is now. Yeah, but we don't uh, want to get to that point either. No, we don't. Now, part, part of why they don't go to Louisiana Louisiana anymore is habitat. That's, mm-hmm. they That's don't part have of it, it also. They don't farm as much rice. The rice they do farm, they convert to crawfish ponds. So that habitat is not there. Uh, and they found, obviously, tons of habitat here. Uh-huh. So, And there's not a lot of habitat for speckled bellies north of here. Uh, they can find pockets and... They may change their diet to, you know, if they're going to Indiana, they're probably eating corn. They're not eating yeah. rice But they, they and have beans. expanded,
1: the, instead of north south, they've gone east west.
2: That's right. Uh, but that, they've been pushed. I mean, yeah. we're, we're pushing them pretty hard. And, and the problem is, is, we push them right when they get here. That early spec season is right when they show up
1: in Arkansas. Do you think we should have it?
0: No.
2: No. I don't. I don't. Um, as much as I like to hunt them, I don't. <laughs> I think we would benefit by letting them get here and get settled. Mm-hmm. And uh, feel comfortable versus a couple of days after they really arrive in the state, we're taking twenty guns out there right. and, and wailing on them. If they mm-hmm. if they're using this field, you can guarantee there's going to be twenty guns in there tomorrow. Yeah, um, and uh, that's the only people that are the only people that are really hunting them during that early uh, season is guides. And, yeah. my, and most people don't hunt specs on their own; they they go with a, a guide service. And it's it's <laughs> primarily a private land deal that's right there's that and and a lot of people you know they they didn't grow up hunting them they can't they can't figure out how to make a call work you know that and and they don't want to mess all the decoys and it's dry field. you know it's 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 counterintuitive a lot of the ways you grew up hunting ducks in arkansas so um you know most people hire a guy and and it and it's great it works great for when you want to take a bunch of buddies um Last year for that duck season social, we had a lot of people in town. It was more people than I could I could take so we we did it um, you know you can get a big group and be able to hide them and hunt them and all that but um, you know the 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 trick will be uh, if if we could you know you, I don't know that you could put rules and regulations in place, but if we condense the size of the part hunting parties and, and go in there and, yeah, and go in there and take six guns and kill. You know your eighteen yeah. geese, but do that and get out of there. Versus trying, I mean, think about think about that forty something gun hunt when a <laughs> when a, mm-hmm. a when a wad came in there. What that sounded like?
0: Think about that. It's, I don't. I don't want to banan-
2: think about that. And, and, P, and people tried to justify it online by saying you know that it was everything was legal. No, it wasn't. You can't tell me that somebody <laughs> in that thing unloaded their gun after they know they killed three and didn't shoot at another group.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's not legal. You can't party. Party hunting is illegal. Yep. You kill your three. They better be sitting underneath your feet, and your gun better be
1: unloaded. Yep. You can't tell me that happened. Well, I can tell you that the guns weren't unloaded because the guy. well, I'm not going to say the guy, but if it was me and I was out there, honestly, my gun probably would not be unloaded yeah. because I could shoot snows. If a snow comes by, I, I could shoot him. Right. <laughs> now it's up to me to not raise up shoot at that next group of specs of 50 or 60 or whatever that That's comes right. in yeah but a lot, of, you know, a lot we could of also shoot, shoot the yeah. snows and everything else
2: well that that is true also. snows weren't really here yet when they that weren't hunt took place <laughs> no they weren't <laughs> no, so they weren't. that
1: <laughs> i will that, say this that excuse will fly you know the next week uh that didn't fly on that, that deal i went on a spec hunt last day of spec season we didn't kill a single spec but we shot one ross yeah there you go <laughs> But uh, yeah, you know, I'm not trying
2: to beat those guys up. Like I said, I'm all for for making a buck, and 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 we have plenty of habitat. There, I mean, the, the, but there's there are pockets in Arkansas that the geese are so heavily pressured; it's it's nuts. That you know, you go high, you go 165 out of Stuttgart to Lodge Corner mm-hmm. to Almira. Yeah, mm-hmm. those geese. I don't know how they stay. They and they they somehow stay around. So we're we're not like I said, we're not at a, a point where we need to panic and change and change, put a bunch of laws and rules in place. We just need to start thinking long-term because there's no doubt we are the speckled belly capital of the world now. and Nobody can argue that. The people in Louisiana will tell you that. Oh, uh, yeah. All you got to do is drive around. Um, so with as hard as duck hunting is, field duck hunting is now in the state, this is where people are – if they have a farm, at least a farm or some fields, they better learn how to hunt these geese. These guys need to think about, well, maybe – Maybe we shouldn't we shouldn't be taking all everything? Maybe you know, Barrett, I should leave some some geese and some less pressure, so everybody can enjoy this. And I, and I know that sounds really mm-hmm. Pollyanna uh, to think that, because those guys are making two hundred fifty bucks a head. But uh, if we want those geese to stick around. And and be another thing to draw people to Arkansas because those guys they don't make any money if nobody wants to go hunt with them. That's right. So uh, and and if they don't have any geese, and that's going to happen, you know, there's too many guide services now. Everybody's a spec guide now, and not all of them are going to be able to stay on geese. Not all not all of them are going to do it professionally. Not all of them are going to do it um, a way to keep attracting customers. So that's going to it's going to find its level. Duck hunting did the same thing um you there you know used to be so many There used to be a ridiculous number of duck guides but they fade out because they can't they can't maintain an inventory of ducks to hunt and or they're you know they're not real honest um with yeah. customers and you know all that that'll happen in spec too so i'm i'm not worried. i'm not really worried about the number of guides. that'll all condense down to the ones that know what they're doing and and can and can have access to, to enough ground to be able to get on them but um to me i, I hope we just think a little more forward and and find a way to. If we're going to be the speckle belly hunting capital of the world, let's stay there for a yeah. long time, um, yeah. And so everybody can enjoy it because field duck hunting is super tough. And it, this is mm-hmm. this is an opportunity. You can still be a
1: waterfowler because those geese are going to be. It there. is. I, it may you made me think of one one last thing about specks before we move on, uh. And I've done it. I'm not. I, I'll raise my hand here. I have done this and probably shouldn't do it. You go on a speck hunt. They're not coming in. They're not coming in. But you've got a flight that just keeps coming over. well. well those those are almost close enough. Well, those 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 are a little closer. Well, let's let's give them a shot. Let's yeah. give them a shot. And then <laughs> give you, them a barrel. Yeah, let's give them a barrel. And you've got seven or eight guys out there, and you everybody unloads their gun, and you knock down one spec. Oh, yeah, we got one. Yeah, but you just educated all those other ones. Yeah and you you might have wounded one and not known it. That's right. So that that little bit of sky busting on them, that's I would say that that's a good investing way of saying I'm going to hold back. Yep. I want to, you know, I might I could kill one and it could be banded. Here comes one with a neck collar and he's 80 yards up. Should I shoot at him? Probably not. Yeah. That I, I think that that's a good investor. Yep. It definitely is. Minded way of hunting. Yep. No doubt. No so doubt about have
0: it. have you uh after you released the article have you seen or can you talk about any of the responses you've you've gotten or any of the feedback?
2: Yeah, it was um, all positive. Need to be you know all that kind. Of, in fact, I got quite a bit of feedback, more than typical that closing column in the magazine gets. Mm-hmm. And I always try to write on something that maybe spark some commentary. But that one, that uh, that one had some legs to it because I think a lot of people bought into the concept, didn't think about it that way bought in and the concept made sense and so I got a lot of attaboys and all that but I think a lot of people kind of sent that on I know um uh, some some different organizations within the state hunting related organizations we're gonna you know we're gonna talk about this at our next meeting and 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 things like that so if you think about it it, that theory or that concept applies to more than just duck hunting I mean you got the same thing with turkeys Mm -hmm. um you got the same thing with um any animal, anything we hunt or fit, you know and fish. If we don't if we don't have if we're just all take and no give eventually it just goes away. I mean, turkeys is a great example. Now, that's not all human you know cause there there's been some some terrible conditions for turkeys to be able to to reproduce and everything else, but um we as a as a hunter I have to have to be thinking that way is how how you know if I how can you complain to no end that there's no ducks but you know you shoot hens or you'll you know you'll do what you know whatever it is that it that, it, that um is counterintuitive to what produces more ducks right. mm-hmm. um you know these people that want to hunt into February but don't really understand why we don't hunt into February there's a reason yeah um you know ducks in fact, you know, it's hard. I think we do enough damage hunting the last two weeks yeah, of January. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, all paired they're, they're paired up. They are definitely paired up. Mm-hmm. There's, there, I mean, there's scientific um, facts out there that it can take a mallard hen another month to find a suitable partner to go back north with. You think about that. If we get a big weather push here and they, and they go on and she still doesn't have a mate, she could end up all the way back to Canada, South Dakota, North Dakota, wherever Montana, wherever she decides to breed from and shows up with no mate. Now, how is she supposed to produce more ducks? Because mallards, most people don't know this, mallards will pr- reproduce more than once if possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you put her behind the eight ball, she already has to fight off predators, weather conditions, all the other things out there. So, you know, if you're not happy with the duck numbers, maybe give the brown ones a break and just – let see what happens. Give the brown ones a break. I like that. <laughs> That's I mean, a just, pretty <laughs> good one. Just what can it hurt? You try yeah. to try to tell me on a day? What drives me crazy on social media is these guys that get on there and talk about how awesome the hunt was, and we were done in forty five minutes. We shot eight limits mallards, and half of them are hens. If the hunt's so damn good, how about we just wait on the green ones? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And 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 versus. I got to say we did this in 45 minutes and I got to get it on social media that's that's a that's a flaw we got going on in the sport Um, and you can say man he's old Uh, whatever but (laughs) it's the truth nobody cares those pile pictures man there's thousands of them on the internet nobody cares nobody cares yeah you killed yeah you don't have to prove it everybody knows everybody knows the people that kill dogs Mm -hmm. either through social media or they just know them by reputation Um, you know that that, that just drives me crazy that, that we can't think about it versus doing it all for the you know the likes on the social media
0: my my mindset is like I did all this work and if I'm out there for 45 minutes I mean oh I, I, my goal is to I want to be out there with my buddies with yeah. my friends experiencing the hut I mean if, if we shoot singles for you know four hours and we end up with a limit awesome if not if we're just out there enjoying and you know the fellowship the company the stories the whatever you want to call it camaraderie or whatever but if if you did all that work for 45 minutes just so you could take a, a freaking picture that absolutely grinds my gears yeah absolutely mm-hmm.
2: yeah and 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 there are good parts to social media too now social media has to me has helped boost the population of duck hunters. And most, most people think, well, we, we don't need any more hunters. Arkansas has got we – we sell over 100,000 duck stamps, and half of them are from out of state. True. But without duck hunters, that's a lot of money that's left on the table from Pittman-Robertson Act, which, you know, the tax ammo and firearms mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you buy that all goes back to wildlife. Um, so are th- states that are struggling to find dollars that, to fund habitat projects because their hunter numbers are dwindling. So you know you always hear the saying the hunters are the best conservationists, and it's true because mm-hmm. the money we spend a lot of it goes back into this into into support the the fowl that we're chasing and um so there's no question i have my boys uh have one that's twenty five and one that's twenty two and um you know they're right in that kind of wheelhouse age of everything's got to be you know uh broadcast on social media and it's but it has drawn People into the sport, the friends of theirs, that didn't grow up hunting. Their dads didn't hunt. But Mm -hmm. they they want to run around with their buddies. And then, of course, social media, I mean, let's face it. I mean, some of it's cool. I mean, some of the Mm -hmm. stuff we do, hunting is cool. The sunrises, the sunsets, the the stuff we see, the gear. Mm -hmm. And it's drawing people to the sport, which, this you know, it needs it. We need hunters. But despite what people think of overcrowding and everything else, we
1: need hunters. I th- I think it goes back to your investor consumer thing with social media also. Because in my mind the consumer on social media is I need, I need followers, 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 I need likes, I need likes, I need likes. Yeah. The investor is on social media the one that interacts with the people that are commenting, with the people that are hey blah 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 hey how do you learn how to blow a duck call hey how do you you know why do you do this why do you set your decoys like this or why do you you know i don't know whatever question you want to have my point is we've done it for a while the way we invest on social media is we portray a good picture of duck hunting and not piling up ducks
3: well i mean and we try to more or less be showing what a, more or less what a sportsman is, not necessarily like – I think that's a lot of it is you get these people posting these pop picks and everybody getting into sports. Like, man, if we're not posting pop picks, then everybody knows we're, we right. don't know what we're doing. Yeah, And everybody's yeah. got to look like they know what they're doing. Right. I mean, there's so much more to it's it. A, it it's looking. a lack
0: of confidence on right. on being out there. Yeah, more so I
3: mean, if if we get more of the people on social media showing, hey, there's more to it than just posting a pile pick, like showing that sunrise, I mean, everybody's like, oh, well, if you're showing sunrise, it's because you're not beating them up. Well, <laughs> that don't have to be the case. It just means that we're out there for more than just beating them up.
1: That's right. And we, we could do a better job. Some of the things that we post, I, I posted earlier, and I'm like, dang, I probably shouldn't have posted that one, <laughs> but that's the that's areas where we're, we're I feel like we're very honest, where we make our mistakes and we own up to our mistakes. Mm-hmm. There's been to. things that we posted we probably shouldn't have posted, but we're trying to do better. And that's in, in, everything that we've talked about. If you feel triggered or feel shame about something that you've done, like, oh, yeah, I remember posting a pile pick of a thousand birds that we killed, you know, on the last day of season. That's okay. It's in the past. Just yeah. don't do it again. Yeah. Try to be better. That's all we're trying to do is we're trying to do better.
2: Yeah. It, and pile pics have been around forever. Like, you know, like I'm telling you, JD, JD's office was on the wall. It's yeah. all pile pictures. But it, to me, it, it's for a totally different reason. My it my is. downstairs in my house, you know, it's our game room, got pool table and all that. Walls are all covered in pictures, duck hunting pictures. But it's not so I can tell everybody how many ducks I killed. Those are, those are memories of mine, mm-hmm. people I hunted with, yeah. friends of mine that I've been hunting with since I was a little kid, famous people I've taken, you know, stuff like that. That it gets beyond the ego and the brag thing. It's, you know, it's, there's so much of it out there that people are doing it and it's
1: not for that value. It's to say, I'm a freaking duck killer. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I want everybody to know about it. The other thing, like, is those pictures back then, even the black and white pictures. Well, those guys didn't take a camera out there to do that. That wasn't their role. (laughs) They were like, oh, we need to take a picture to to remember this hunt. So they piled them up and took a picture. Yeah. Nowadays, we have a, I mean, our phone is a camera, okay? So, we can take pictures any time we want. So, I like the pictures when I'm on social media. If somebody's posting a picture of an experience, somebody's smiling out there in the woods, those are my favorite. Yeah, Most of the time, they don't even have a duck in them. Or the dog bringing a duck back. Or somebody interacting with their dog. Those are great pictures because those are the moments in the hunt that mean something. Those are the things that I really remember from the hunts that I've been on. So, I think now that we have the social media, we have to understand that we want to take an experience, a picture of the experience, and get that out there more than the end result of this pile of ducks. Yeah, yeah. That that's just my opinion. Yeah,
2: and the, and there are there are some people that are doing a good job. There's some some land management people that are doing explaining why they do what they do, the timing yes. of when they're doing it, you know, all that to help educate. if if, if we would. If we, as duck hunters, as a community, would think more on those terms versus, hey, look at me, uh, ego-driven things. And I get it. You know, you got a bunch of dudes in a sport. <laughs> you know, it's going to be a, a contest. It's He can prove that they're the biggest and the baddest. Right. Like, I get all that. But um, is that good for the long term? No, it's not. And, and sooner you can put your ego in your pocket and start thinking about, man, I want this to be around for my kids or my grandkids and and i want it to be like the good old days um that kind of thing um you got we got to change some mindsets
1: it can't it can't just all be about the pile picture totally agree mm-hmm. so let's move into this duck season social okay because this is a place that if somebody listens to this and they have more questions especially for you they could probably come up to you and ask you at the duck season social so what is the duck season social because i did not know about it until we started talking okay uh
2: yeah this was uh this was another idea uh, of mine that um it's it's a educational it was a it was a it was an idea to get more of this fact-driven stuff going on in the sport in front of people versus all the conspiracy theories and myths and (laughs) and just all that that's out there um to pe- tell people understand more about what's going on in the sport um so we did it in 2019 um very uh, good good quality success most of the the pe- we have uh, what we do is we have a, a social hour hour and a half um you know beer wine all that stuff and and put a bunch of duck hunters in a room and and, and we do it during the split so everybody's hunted a little bit and mm-hmm. can go man how's it going for you how's it how was your first split or or anything related and then uh we have a dinner uh you know barbecue catfish dinner and then we have a panel they that, that um after dinner's over um moderator the moderator of the first two years has been trey reed who's the yeah. communications guy yeah. for the game and fish commission um and i well i was the moderator the first year we, we kind of tag teamed it but uh we had you know we had We've had VP policy for Delta, we've had VP policy for Ducks Unlimited, we've had scientists, we've had hunters, um, a good mix. So it's not all a bunch of science mumbo-jumbo coming across. Um, and
0: um, Does the panel change year to year?
2: Yeah, okay. it, is, it has changed every year. I don't think anybody's been on it all three years. Some people yeah. have been on it twice, okay. but those people that have been on it twice aren't on it this year. Um, so um uh,
0: do you mind to tell us who's on with it? Yeah,
2: yeah, definitely can. Um let's see, we got Lee Jose from oh, yeah. um Boss. He, he is the Boss Shot Shells, one of the founders. Uh I call him the Michael Jordan of outdoor photography. Oh um, yeah. His, <laughs> his stuff is ridiculous. Yeah. And phenomenal. We've gotten to be uh friends over the last few years. He comes and hunts with me uh a couple times and uh he's actually skipping a, a hunting trip in Texas to come be on the panel. He's going to the panhandle of Texas. Um that day, and so he's going to come come be on the panel. So I'm going to have him there to talk shotguns, ballistics, choke, t- you know, all this stuff because we're all wandering around. None of us are doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> I promise you. I, I've had conversations Just listen. I just bounce questions off of him and things. Um, and we're all. Most of us are doing it wrong uh, yeah. with what chokes. We you know what choke tubes we're using. What you know uh, everything brand the the functionality of the said tube, not understanding how you know shotgun shells were you know all this and it's not necessarily an endorsement on boss itself even though their product is in, it's incredible oh, way y- it. y'all aren't old enough to shoot lead y'all oh, didn't shoot lead not. it's the closest thing to lead going um so um but he's he he's not like that, we're always going to do is talk about boss. He's going to explain a lot of things um, to help people understand what they're doing with their weapon uh, to help them be more effective. A field. Um, Luke Naylor is going to be on there. Who's mm-hmm. now chief of wildlife for the game of fish. Mm-hmm um luke was on it the first year he wasn't on it last year lee was on it last year he'll be on it this year um let's see who else uh, doug osborne mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, a on stellar, that's a stellar yep. panel so
1: far
0: yep.
2: yeah doug is uh i mean he he's gonna be able to talk transmitter ducks uh, all the banding efforts he can talk trends and what's going on with the data and all of that um and, and then of course he's running the the um the five oaks ag research right, center right. there at mm-hmm. what used to be little siberia um so all the work that they're doing, he's gonna be able to talk to all the science pieces and then Rusty Crazy that yep. runs uh, okay. manages the Coldwoods. Cold Woods. Woods. Yeah. Um, so those, those are all guys I you know I know and, and have invited to be on there. And then the moderator will be Jonathan Wilkins, who's the Black Duck Revival. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And he'll be he'll be awesome at that. Um, he's got a similar mindset. A lot of the things I'm saying, uh, you would you would sit and interview him and he would be very similar. Uh, so we kind of share some some common beliefs and but he will be a great moderator. Uh, he's real inquisitive and and um, and and thoughtful about the sport and and how how it all goes. And he's not a guy that grew up hunting. I mean he's a, he he's a person of color. Um, yeah. Did yeah. not uh, grow up hun- hunting, and now you know has his guide service there in Brinkley. But it's not a it's not a traditional guide service. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really interesting. He's got a great story. It's uh,
0: really cool. I, yeah, I cool. think I
1: read about it in the greenhead thing, but he's, he's yeah he's he's got, good the, ch- with he's the, got the church yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 he's he's a cook though too is yeah like he, he really was, knows his he stuff. was the
0: cook at whitewater
2: tavern yeah right. um, really at uh, whitewater? whitewater yeah I didn't know that yeah uh, really co- really cool guy uh so he'll be the moderator it's a it's an awesome panel uh, that I think people will really enjoy, but um Jonathan you know we'll work through you know some. Kind of default questions to kind of get things going, and yeah. then if there's time, we allow some some audience questions. Usually, there's not time, uh, mm-hmm. but it but it doesn't last all night. You know, we we try to keep it short and sweet, and kind of keep it rolling uh, to where everybody feels like they're walking out of there with some knowledge. We also do some some awesome raffle items. Uh, we'll have stuff from from Boss, from Shin, Sitka, Duck Camp, Drake, Remington. Um, gunner kennels, that um, might be, that's probably about it, somewhere in there. But, you know, all those companies uh, gladly contribute gear, and so we'll package them up into some raffle items, and and all the money goes towards this year it's going, this year and last year it went to the Green Tree DTR restoration efforts. Love Because um, we're still trying to to raise money for that. The first year it went towards, uh, transmitters that we put on some mallards and some speckle bellies okay um, uh, that uh, that was the 2019 benefactor so this we'll we'll do gtr this year we won't do gtr next year a lot of people feel like they're kind of getting beat over the head a little bit with the gtr restoration um, <laughs> stuff but it's a it's a big deal i mean i'm, a, big I'm a i'm a private land hunter uh, <laughs> but my my farm is about three miles north of upper value so i we rely on ducks coming yeah. out of a barrier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, even though I, I don't hunt ducks on public ground, it doesn't matter to me. Well, yeah, it does. If you're anywhere in the vicinity of, of one of those uh, managed areas, it, it matters. If you're in the state, it matters. Yeah. Right. So, um, but, you know, we don't want to spread the love around. Right. Uh, so mm-hmm. this year we'll go to GTR, next year we'll do something different. So how do we get tickets? DuckSeasonSocial.com
1: DuckSeasonSocial.com What are the I think, options? I think they're $65 um,
2: And then a table I think it's a table of eight So whatever the multiple of that is And then if you're under 30 The tickets are $35
1: What about if you're under five foot five? we don't have that we don't have we that, have that discount built in there i
0: don't there's, get a, a there's, junior there's, or, no no. Child, no. there's no child plates <laughs>
2: yeah there's uh there's there's not one based on that <laughs> but it's a great event we moved it last year we did it at rusty tractor vineyard which is out in west little rock mm-hmm. um, that is a super cool um venue but it was really small if you remember last year in december that's when the second round of covid went crazy Mm -hmm. so we were like all right let's do it but let's not do too big a venue where nobody comes and because we weren't sure how people were going to feel so we did it there smaller venue it sold out in less than two weeks so we had we turned people away for a month and a half like oh that stinks but Mm. i mean we didn't have a choice really and we'd already booked the deal and, and and done everything so this year we're moving it to the venue at west wind Mm-hmm. which is that church it used to be a church mm-hmm. right there off the interstate where you're going past Mall mill yeah. before you would go to conway uh, that church that kind of sits down there got a little pond in front of it that's now an event venue okay uh so we're going to do it there and we should be able to get twice three times as many as we had at rusty tractor so that put us in the about five six hundred people range which and y'all still have
3: tickets left oh yeah yeah oh. yeah
2: it did, they just went on sale i think last week okay. so um but you can buy a table uh and so if you got you know get eight buddies that want to Sit together. Uh, I would say get a table. If you just got a couple buddies that want to go, then um, you're going to run into people you know. I promise you that. Um, it's it's great uh, kind of camaraderie, community uh, deal. Being in a room for a bunch of duck hunters during the first split. I mean, and then go listen to those guys talk about. What's really
0: going on in the sport? Yeah, we were talking about going, and then now that hearing who on who's on the panel, on I'm like, oh, table. I yeah. think we're definitely going. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, those are guys.
2: I mean, and, and there's got those guys. I mean, none of them are aloof or, or yeah. weird. I mean, yeah. you, you'll you'll walk up to them, introduce yourself, and you know, have a full fledged conversation with them. But uh, and you may have questions for them off table. I mean, that didn't have you know maybe you're maybe maybe they're not going to ask this question, but I want to know the answer to that. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, are, are ducks really going to Kansas and Oklahoma? You know, something like that, and and get a get a straight answer on that versus uh, assuming that they are because you see all these guide services in Kansas, Oklahoma, killing dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no banding data that supports it. Right. Well, no transmitter data supports it. None. Really? None. Zero. Yeah. Social media. Social media. Proving it. And I'll tell you why. Well, if, is, if you don't want me to keep talking, I, can, <laughs> I cannot talk about it, but I, I'll tell you, I can tell you why, it, why it's perceived that way.
3: Let's hear it. Okay.
2: Well, I went. I went to Kansas last year, and we hunted in Kansas and Oklahoma. We were right on the border, so we could go back and forth, uh, depending on where the ducks were, because the difference, big difference of what they do out there. Now, there are, there are getting to be more more habitat for, held for ducks, and there are beginning to be more outfitters for ducks in that part of the world. There's no question about that. Uh, and they do have ducks. Don't I mean, don't, don't, don't take it that I'm sitting here saying they don't have any ducks. That's all smoke and mirrors. They've got them. The difference is, think about how many duck hunters there are in Arkansas and how many fields are either owned or leased by a duck hunter that's got a duck on it, a lot, Mm -hmm. like all of it, (laughs) like all of it. Okay, well, it's not that way in Kansas or Oklahoma. You can drive down a highway and see ducks going into some field or on some pond, and there is nobody that hunts that thing, so all you got to go do is knock on a door. So you can roam hundreds of miles a day to find them. Go knock on a door and go hunt. You can't do that here.
3: I was fixing to say, try that. In yeah, try that and see here. how well, that works? Yeah,
2: <laughs> you get laughed out of there. You would get laughed out of there. So it's it's a different. game. It's almost like being in Canada now. Right now, it is. Now their game is going to change. Is more of these outfitters, more of these people. I'm going to move my operation to Kansas mm-hmm. and Oklahoma. Well then, the landowners are going to get tired of this knocking on the door day daily yeah. business. They're going to go, uh-uh, you want you want my spot? You got to have, you got to take it for the whole year. And so the friends of mine that had places in Oklahoma, I mean in Kansas, um, they have they've now gotten to the point where they got some of their better spots. They got to lock them up for the whole season, so mm-hmm. they can't do this day rent stuff. We'll burn them until they're gone, and then we'll go move on from there, and we'll just go knock on somebody else's door because now they've got them. Yeah. So. um you know, you just you, you can't drive down the road and go knock on doors in Arkansas. It just, all of our stuff's taken, so to speak. So it, it creates the ability. Think if, you, think if you could do that in Arkansas. Like you, y'all drive down the highway and you see farm there at G Ridge and go, oh, they got them. I'm going to go knock on that owner's door and maybe he'll let me hunt that field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, go out there. Ducks or geese are messing up my, my, uh, all the work I've done to get my crop ready. For, I mean, my field ready for next year. So, yeah, go out there and get after them no <laughs> no that's not happening it just doesn't it it's not the way it is here and so they've got thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of acres to scout find them and hunt them and have a great hunt um because they they do have them they do have ducks they do have geese we hunted cranes um there is a a good amount of waterfowl there but don't don't be mistaken. The ducks are not – they've not shifted there. Right. There's no scientific evidence whatsoever that the flyway has shifted. It's, Zero. It's,
1: I think what I meant earlier through social media proving it, it's just it, social media is proving that people kill ducks in these places. So people Correct. are just aware of, oh, man, they, they're, they're getting more and more ducks. No, it's just you're learning that people are hunting them yeah. over there. I One thing that I fall into the trap, which we'll get to Barrett's favorite question here in just a second, but – we forget in arkansas how lucky we are even on a bad hunt we're still seeing ducks fly yeah Mm -hmm. that's right Uh, there's other places a bad hunt other places is you don't see a bird that's right here a bad hunt is like well we're watching a bunch of high ducks but we can't do anything with them yeah yep. this is a total a bad hunt here is totally different than a bad hunt somewhere else that is correct
2: um that i mean i've hunted all over the place i've been to saskatchewan i've hunted, like i said kansas oklahoma um I'm not it's not because I'm partial there just there's no better place on the planet to hunt ducks in Arkansas period mm, okay I
1: concur yeah
0: well as we're wrapping up I, I do and Brent we've kind of got uh we've we've been talking about you for a while so we uh we're excited that you took the time to sit down with us and and talk but uh we the one thing I want to hear or two things actually what has you excited for this coming season if anything um, and then number two, what is your absolute favorite story to tell? If you're if whether you're sitting out there with people you know or if you're hanging out around a fire or whatever, what's your what's your go to story? Hmm.
2: Yeah, that go to story would be kind of
0: tricky. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's another good one that we yeah. get yeah. all yeah. here. Yeah. Uh,
2: well, you know, excited, obviously this this shift in weather. We were yeah. eighty degrees. I mean so as of today, and you know, the long range forecast looks like it'll be Kind of decent November weather.
0: Up north mm. getting hammered.
2: They are. They are. And, and like I said, uh, it's dry everywhere in between Arkansas and where the ducks were. Mm-hmm. Now, they're not there anymore. I mean, it's, it's miserable up there. And it's snow. And everything that we want to happen up there has happened. The trick is, what's got me excited and a little bit different, is there weren't a lot of places for these ducks to stop between mm-hmm. here and there. Mm-hmm. It's dry as a bone dry as a bone i went to a delta waterfowl then about a month ago uh, that was at somebody's house here in little rock and they had a guy there who lives in kansas he's he's one of their upper upper guys with delta waterfowl and he was talking about that kansas no water oklahoma no water missouri no water um, and you think about it, there are pockets of those states that right. put water out for ducks. Mm-hmm. Nobody puts water out for ducks like Arkansas. Yeah, so, exactly right. I saw the Delta Waterfowl Post. I mean, you probably saw it about that hen that yep. flew 1,300 miles yeah, overnight. I saw mm-hmm. that. So, there's a reason for that. One, she was riding that north wind, no doubt. Two, she didn't see any place to go. Um, so I'm going to make it to Arkansas and, and take my chances there because those guys – put some habitat out for me yeah. and you know,
1: she wasn't alone. <laughs>
2: no, yeah. she wasn't. You're right. She was that was not a solo flight. That was not Amelia Earhart doing her thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, and anybody you talk to saw, obviously saw the numbers pick up here here recently. So, um, you know, that's, that's a good way to open it. But I remember a few years ago, it was probably three years ago, four years ago, we had a ton of ducks the weekend before the season started and it snowed like on a Monday or Tuesday. And those ducks all left. Every one of them. Um, so these are the ducks too. You got to keep in mind, these are the ducks that can't stand the cold at all. Just I'm think i I'm convinced mm-hmm. ducks are like humans. You got the ones that they want to live in Florida. They don't want it to ever be cold. <laughs> and you got the others that, that want to live in Wisconsin and they can handle all that. Uh, I think animals are the same way. I think ducks are the same way. And so these ducks, these are the ones that I'm not riding this out. I'm going where it's, you know, like this and everything's not frozen and it's not covered in snow, and I may ba- I may edge back north once I kinda get settled. Um, so I think we'll see some of that. We'll yeah. see ducks kinda edge back and and all that. But um yeah, that's so that's I mean, this this shift in weather and actually being in South Dakota and seeing it firsthand, how dry it was there, yeah. um makes me believe we might have a decent few days to start uh, the season. If you get, you know, sunny day and
0: and you have water wind
2: and all that. What's that? And you have water and you have water yeah. That's right. <laughs> and you have water and you have water. Um, favorite story. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably, I don't know, maybe killing my first duck. I, I can still remember it. I was, I was only, I was like seven or eight. Probably I was going when I was six, but I wasn't shooting. Um, and we had a, uh, we were hunting they're calling the calling uh, the black was are owned by the black family, which, you know, Dunklin's mm-hmm. a black family descendant um and a buddy of mine actually leases those woods today you know this is 50 or not 50 or year, 45 years later but um i remember and and these those hunts back then they were with a guy and you had a bunch of men you know i was so i was a little kid running around with all these grown men talking big business and 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 stuff i didn't have any idea about and um it's kind of intimidating environment for right. a little kid um and you know and they're they're off-color jokes and stuff. The stuff they're talking—I have no idea what they're even talking about. No clue what some of these words mean. And and you know they, you know obviously a lot of curse words and stuff. You know I wasn't allowed to say at seven or eight years old. But I remember, um, it, the, the, it was a it was a hole in the woods and we were in a blind. We weren't standing in the in the trees. And there was a one dead snag right in the middle of the hole. And I remember this. One duck, all by itself, came floating and just fluttering over the hole. And I had a little single shot, you know, those, those um, I can't remember, remember what brand, but single shot 20 gauge. And the guide said, "Brant, stand up there and shoot that duck. And I, in front of all those men and all those old guys and everything else, after sitting there listening and freezing, um, you know, boots weren't as good back then as they oh, are now. No, no. Uh, and then you're in those elevated blinds, so all you have underneath you is cold air. And it just, it's miserable when you're a little kid, and the gear obviously your gear is not near as good either. But so I'm, you know, freezing and everything else, and he still tells me to stand up there and shoot that duck, and and I stood up there with that little single shot twenty gauge and dropped that duck right in the middle of the hole, and you know,
0: all, they all, went, crazy. Guys went crazy, crazy, yeah. and all <laughs> that. So uh
2: I don't know if that's what hooked me on it, you know, where I'm I'm still as into it today as I was back then, but uh, it's it's got to have a, be a factor.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, no, we do. We we greatly appreciate you taking time. Yeah, we uh, we wish you a good season, and we uh, hopefully we'll see you at a uh, duck season social. Yeah, and where yeah,
2: can yeah. everybody
3: find you at online?
2: Uh, the Grand Prairie is probably the. I mean, I have an Instagram myself. You know, Brent Birch, um, but I don't. I don't really use it or post to it too much. The the Grand Prairie is the one I probably use the most because just from back promoting the book back when it came out um but you know i still have copies of the book if somebody hadn't read it or found it um it's it, i don't know how you don't read that book and and have more respect for the sport and everything yes. that came I mean, before us yeah. yeah, um and the tradition that that yeah we like the conversation we just had we need to find a way the duck hunting community of 2022 needs to find a way to perpetuate the sport so people can look back on our era like we look back on that era exactly um, and that's that's not going to be the pile picks and all this yeah. other stuff that we're talking about. That's good. Um, it needs to be stuff. stuff we, what can we do today? Like some of the people that are in that book that we're doing in the 40s and 50s, or even in the 80s, man, when there, there was no water and there was no ducks. We were hunting 30 days right. when mm-hmm. I was a kid. 30 days. Think about that. Uh, i still do two it. mallards. I'd still uh, do it. Um, so uh, we, you know, we need to find a way to leverage what we're doing going forward and get more people interested in that investment um instead of just take 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 so mm. uh but that, that's that's where you can find me
0: awesome guys that's great we uh again we appreciate brent we uh we're gonna wrap up here and we'll catch you on the next one yep don't right. forget to subscribe to our show on apple podcasts spotify podbean on wherever you find your podcasts thanks for listening